I want to start with the word comfy. What makes you feel comfy this time of year? Now, Christmas is the time where we are supposed to feel comfy. Maybe your family has specific ways you like to do this. I know our family does. One of the ways we love to feel comfy this time of year is I'll go outside and warm up the van, and then I'll get everybody out inside it. Then mom and dad, will, me and my wife, will, will drive up to Starbucks because you got to get the expensive coffee to do this one right. And uh, we'll drive around and look at all the decorations in different neighborhoods and people's houses. You know, there's even those ones sometimes where you can drive up and put, the, you know, your radio station to a specific radio station and the, the whole house is jumping with the song. And I don't know what I'm doing in my life wrong. I don't have time to do that in my life, but, but I'm thankful some people do because it's awesome. Uh, growing up in Canada, we had a big wood-burning, uh, like, pot-belly stove, and we used to fill that thing up with wood at Christmas time. One of the things we did to feel comfy uh, growing up, you know, the snow would be coming down outside. You turn the lights down lower in the living room with all the decorations everywhere, that big fire going. Nothing made me feel more comfy as a kid than that. One of our go-tos in my home, though, now is the, the comfy Christmas movie night, right? So we get the Christmas movie on TV, and then you got to get out the blankets to do it right. And, and like you, we've got the, the guest blankets that stay out all the time. That's the stuff that, you know, hangs over our couch, hangs over our chair. But if you want to see us get really comfy, uh, we've got our comfy blankets we bring out. So I brought with me today my wife's comfy blanket, all right? This is my wife's comfy blanket. This has been with us since we were married. <laughs> this has been with us over 10 years. Um, this is what my wife pulls out to get comfy. And she pulls this out in the summer. She pulls it out in the winter, pretty much every day of her life. You know, we've got a nice bedroom set up. Looks like Joanna Gaines decorated, beautiful comforter. This thing comes out every night over top of the comforter. It is my wife's comfy blanket. But I couldn't just pick on my wife this morning. I had to bring with, with me as well my comfy blanket, all right? So this is my comfy blanket from when I was a kid. Uh, this is the blanket I grew up using every day of my life, all right? It's a horsey. Yes, it's a horsey. Uh, the best part about this blanket, though, all right, you ready to see it? You ready? Best part about this blanket is bang, all right? You got the the, the, the black stallion on this side and the white stallion on that side, all right? So I get to choose every day what I really feel like doing. But you know, in our, in our home, we've got these traditions of how to feel comfy. Uh, there's nothing wrong with getting in the van, going around looking at Christmas lights. I love building a fire and looking at the decorations in our own home. And nothing beats, almost, a movie night with the comfy Christmas blankets out. But that's not the ultimate expression of comfy in the Adams home. The ultimate expression of comfy in the Adams home is the comfy Christmas PJs. All right, now don't worry, I don't have my comfy Christmas PJs with me today, but I did bring a couple helpers today. Come on out here, guys. All right, here they come. Come on out, come on out, all the way up to the front, all the way up to the front. So we've got here, we got Wyatt is the big one, Carson, and then this is Brady, we call him Brady Buckets. Um, they are modeling for you our 2020 edition of our comfy Christmas PJs, all right? Now, I know there's families out there, and some of them are probably in this room, 
uh, where you guys do the whole family of the pajamas. I know my wife shows me pictures of that, okay? We haven't quite got there yet. I'm holding out. I'm only 34. Maybe she'll get me to do it uh, in the next couple of years. I don't know. Uh, but there's nothing more comfy, right, guys, than your comfy Christmas PJs. The best, isn't it? Uh, there is nothing mom and I love more than snuggling up with these guys in their comfy Christmas PJs. All right, great job, guys. Head on back with mom. Thanks. I told them after first service, don't kill each other. I need you for second service here. <laughs> but getting comfy around Christmas time is great. But what about times when we need more than just comfy? Where do we go for comfort? Can you think back to a time in your life when you were really hurting and needed comfort? Maybe you have to think way back to a trial that almost overwhelmed you. Maybe you can think of a time in 2020. Maybe something was taken from you this year. Maybe you experienced times of loneliness or isolation. Maybe there's just that emotional toll of everything that's being put on our shoulders. Maybe you don't have to think back to a time when you were really hurting and needed comfort. Maybe that's how you feel now. And we all know Christmas is supposed to be a season of comfort. You know, you know the, the song, God rest ye merry gentlemen, we're told about tidings of comfort and joy. But is that what our world is experiencing right now? Tidings of comfort and joy. You know, the reality is, it would be very easy this year to go all the way through the Christmas season and not experience any comfort at all. That's why in this series, in the month of December, we want to bring you tidings of comfort. In the first message of our series, I want to start with a text that shows us biblical comfort in action. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in a message we're calling the God of all comfort. Let me begin with a word of prayer and we'll dive into this text together. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come and hear from you this morning. We're here, our hearts are ready to receive your word. Lord, we know you as the comforter. And I pray you would impress on our hearts this morning just the depths of what that really means. Father, again, we're here to change. Would you work in our hearts and in our minds? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. One of the characteristics 
of 2 Corinthians comes out in just the first few verses here, and that is the theme of comfort. In fact, Paul uses the word comfort 29 times in this letter. It's one of the most transparent letters that Paul writes, and one of the things he really wants his readers to know is how much he needed and received comfort. These verses here actually start as a praise to God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Specifically, and this is really important for us today, Paul wants us to praise God for a process of how comfort is given and received. Now, the first part of the process that Paul is praising God for is that comfort comes directly from God. He said that in verse four, it is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. Paul says the first thing that we need to know about comfort is that God himself is the God of all comfort and he comforts us. Now I said, for Paul, the word comfort is very important. Literally, the word means to come alongside and help. So what Paul is saying here, what he's testifying of is that God has come alongside me and helped me in all my affliction. Now, Paul himself is no stranger to affliction. This is a man who knew how to suffer. In fact, he'll speak openly in this letter about times he was beaten, times he was imprisoned, times his life was at stake. He talks about the stress and anxiety he felt in his leadership position. Yet Paul can testify the God of all comfort comforts us in all our affliction. Now, most people would get to this point in the verse or this point in the idea Paul's unpacking and say, okay, I think I understand how comfort works. The God of all comfort comes alongside me and helps me in my affliction. But for Paul, that's only the first part of a process. The God of all comfort comforts us in all our affliction. Look at what he says next. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul says, I receive that comfort from God so that I can give that comfort to others. If you zoom out on what Paul says here, really the process that he describes looks something like this. We suffer, God comforts us, we comfort others. We suffer, God comforts us, and we comfort others. Now, Paul wants us to look at that process, and he wants to drill into it a little bit more in the next couple of verses. Listen to what he says here in verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. In other words, we will suffer like Christ did, but we will experience comfort in measure with that suffering. He goes on in verse 6. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we're comforted, it's for your comfort, 
which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Verse seven, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Paul knew his suffering would lead to their help. And he knew that as they suffered, they would experience God's comfort just as he had. We suffer. God comforts us. We comfort others. So I have a question for you this morning. Have you experienced that process in your life? Have there been times in your life when you were really hurting and God came alongside and helped you? Have you ever been comforted by God and then turned and comforted somebody else? Have you ever been comforted by somebody who had suffered and been comforted by God? I feel like my life is a product of this process. I've stood on this stage before and shared with you at various times some of the darker seasons that I've experienced in my life, difficult times of anxiety and discouragement. I can stand here today because I have received the comfort of God. And I have received comfort from people who had received comfort from God. And I like to think that at least in some measure, I've been able to comfort others with the comfort that I have received. This process is very personal to me. And that's exactly where Paul goes next in our text. He makes it very personal. So he knew this church well that he's writing to, and they knew him. In fact, he had planted this church. He had lived with them for about a year and a half. Even after he left, he continued a relationship with them by writing letters. So that's 1 Corinthians that we have. There's at least one other letter he talks about in 2 Corinthians that we don't have, and there were probably more. These are people that knew Paul well, but he was about to take his relationship with them to a whole nother level and get more personal with them than he ever had before. Listen to what he says in verse eight. For we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Now, Paul had already told us in verse four that God had comforted him in his affliction. Here he wants to let us know just how deep that affliction got. It's hard to appreciate how strong of a statement he makes here. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, we despaired of life itself. Now, it's one thing to read this verse years later. We kind of know Paul got through this moment. But I want you to imagine if you were in the room with the man when he felt this way. There's Paul 
on the ground, saying he's so utterly burdened beyond his strength, he's despairing of life itself. There's the guy who wrote Ra Patah, right? Rejoice always, pray always, give thanks always. And he looks like he's ready to give up. Actually, it looks like he already has given up. Friend, if you're in this room this morning or watching online, and you have had seasons of your life where you have felt this way, this verse tells me you are in good company. Some of you might know the name Charles Spurgeon. He's a famous pastor from about 150 years ago. He very publicly battled deep and dark seasons of discouragement. He wrote this on one occasion. I am the subject of depressions of spirit so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go. I love that we have little books that are published like this one called Spurgeon's Sorrows that tell his story. You know, there are many, many faithful people who go through seasons of tremendous darkness and pain. Paul did in our text. He was able to be open about it with the Corinthians. Let's be a church that can talk about that kind of thing too. Now, we don't know exactly what led Paul to, his, to the point he was at. We, all we know is that he experienced some affliction in Asia. Now, we do know that later on, he talks about in chapter 12, he, he suffered from what he calls this thorn in the flesh. Might have been some kind of physical ailment that he had. He had prayed for God to remove it, but God did not. He also gets very detailed in this letter in chapter 11 about some of the specific afflictions he had suffered. Listen to the list he gives in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 28. He talks about far more imprisonments with countless beatings, often near death. Five times, he says, I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from my brothers, from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Merry Christmas, everybody. Paul was constantly afflicted, constantly afflicted. But what he wants us to know now is that comfort came. He goes on to say in the next verse, love this, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Remember that process Paul described? We suffer, God comforts us. Here it is on full display in Paul's own life. He tells us that process that I described, let me tell you how much I suffered. Let me tell you how low I was 
and yet comfort came to me. Notice what that did for Paul. That was to make us rely, he says, not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You know, when God allows us to go through difficult times and then comes alongside and helps us, we learn a very valuable lesson. We learn to depend on him. I'll talk to people sometimes who'll say, you know, that religion stuff or, you know, Jesus Christ, that's just a crutch. I always turn that around to people. Yes, it is a crutch. It is. I have learned how much I depend on God. I have seen my life when I depend on me. It's not pretty. You can ask my wife. Paul tells us here firsthand his testimony of going through difficulty and being comforted by God. I love how this verse ends. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Look at where Paul had learned to put his hope. It wasn't on circumstances. It wasn't even on deliverance. He says, I put my hope on him. It's a great reminder right in this verse of why this is so relevant, even especially this time of year. You know, this is the time of year we celebrate the coming of Christ. We'll have opportunity in our calendar to think about not just Christ's coming, but all that that means for us. It's a great opportunity to remind ourselves that our hope is put on nothing else but Christ. You know, as God's people, we cannot put our hope in a leader or an economy. We cannot put our hope in a vaccine, right? God help us. We can't put our hope in our own strength. We can't put our hope in our past successes or our track record. We can't have the thought, ah, you know, I've made it through enough stuff in my life on my own. I'll be okay. We have to learn the lesson that Paul gives us here. I depend on God and my hope is in Christ alone. So since Paul made this whole process personal, let's think about the big picture of his life. Isn't it this? Isn't this the big picture of Paul's life? We suffer, God comforts us, we comfort others. How many of you have read and been comforted by what Paul says in Romans or in Philippians? How many of you have been comforted by what he says in 2 Timothy or 2 Corinthians? Paul suffered. God comforted him, and he comforted others. What Paul writes in this text, what he describes in his life, lead us to the tiding of comfort we want to share with you this morning. It's simply this. God gives comfort to us so that he can give comfort through us. God gives comfort to us so that he can give comfort through us. Now, besides Paul himself, 
I don't know anybody who lives out this dynamic better than one of our very own pastors, Pastor Doug. Now, some of you won't know a story from his background that had a tremendous impact on the trajectory of he and him and Julie's lives. It intersects exactly with 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I asked Pastor Doug and Julie to sit down and share their testimony of comfort with us this morning. I want us to watch this video, and they'll come back up with application for us before we're done this morning. Still is every day. Then 2 Corinthians 1, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God comforts us and makes us empathetic messengers of his comfort. The afflictions we each face are different, but the precious comfort is from God each time. God is good, and his love endures forever. I often tell people that God used those two little guys to take a 26-year-old boy out to the woodshed and grow him up. God used that time to prepare me for family care ministry by teaching me what it means to have something taken away from us. The ache never fully goes away. That ache allows us to minister to others. God knows the ache. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus is our peace, our comfort, and our joy. We are so blessed with two wonderful sons, two lovely daughters-in-law, and our fabulous five grandsons, who have all trusted Christ as Savior, and two boys waiting for us in heaven. God gives comfort to us so that he can give comfort through us. I want to ask a simple question uh, for our application this morning. It's just this question. How has God uniquely comforted you so that you can comfort others? How has God uniquely comforted you so that you can comfort others? You know, so many times, when we think about the subject of God's comfort, or even if we see a series called Tidings of Comfort, we would tend to think only about how can I grow in receiving comfort from God? What Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians 1 is that's only part of a process. We receive comfort from God so that we can comfort others. So how has God uniquely comforted you so that you can comfort others? I know there are some seasoned leaders in this room. 
Maybe you had your own business or you ran something over the course of your career. You can think back to, oh, years of ups and downs and difficulties. And as you think back in hindsight of all that you've been through, you know that there are specific ways that God has comforted you over the course of your life. I wonder what young leaders God may have put in your circle of influence. Maybe young leaders who are experiencing one of the most difficult years for a leader of any kind, who you might be able to come alongside and comfort with the comfort that you've received from God. Maybe you're in here this morning and you have been down the road of diagnosis and disease and treatment and relapse and on and on. You have lived that life. And through the course of your life, even though it has been difficult, you have experienced what Paul talked about when he said, we suffer and God comforts us. You have received the comfort of God. I wonder who might be around you who you could comfort with the comfort God has given you. Maybe you're a, a veteran mom in here and you can barely remember the days when they were all little. And you remember trying to keep them fed and napped and alive. And you remember what it was like to try to get a little bit of work done on the side. And as you think back of those years, even though maybe they're a little bit fuzzy, you recognize that God comforted you as a young mom. Maybe there's young moms within your circle of influence that you could now comfort with the comfort you receive from God. Maybe you're a, a college student in here and nobody knows the pressures of what high school is like in 2020 like you do. And even though there was some affliction in those hallways at school, God comforted you and got you through those years. Maybe there's a high school student you could come alongside and put your arm around Say, man, I want to comfort you with the comfort that God has given to me. How has God uniquely comforted you so that you can comfort others? This Christmas, what if we made it a point that we're going to comfort someone with the comfort that God has given to us? Now, you've heard of random acts of kindness. I want to suggest something different this morning. How about specific acts of comfort? What could you do this Christmas to give comfort just as God has comforted you? Now, this does not have to be complicated. In fact, I'm just gonna give you three very, very simple ways of how you could even start to go about this. One of the most basic, sometimes one of the best, is simply your presence. This is something Paul himself talks about later in 2 Corinthians in chapter 7, verse 6. Listen to what he says. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Sometimes one of the best things you can do is simply provide your presence to somebody. This is something I've got to learn firsthand when I get to tag along to a, a hospital visit with Pastor Doug or Pastor John. In fact, I tried to do this with Pastor John when he had knee surgery uh, earlier this year. I went to see him in his hospital room and I sat down beside him and I said, what do I say? Because I don't do this very much. This is your thing, man. John told me one of the things you can do is simply be in the room. Simply provide your presence. 
Here's another way you can provide comfort. You can meet a need. Meet a need. Do you know Paul writes a whole letter, that's the book of Philippians, to thank a church for the comfort he received because of a gift they sent? Maybe you can provide a meal, maybe a gift card. Some of you guys can do more than that. Uh, One time, I came home from church. It's like when my middle son was just born, my wife was home. I came home from church. I went inside the house. I said, Nadia, why is there a grill in our driveway? She said, I don't know anything about that. Someone left a grill in my driveway. (laughs) Some of you guys can go above and beyond with a specific act of comfort. Provide your presence, meet a small need. One more simple way, you can share words of comfort. Share words of comfort. You can do this even via text. I have a dear pastor friend who's so faithful in this way, not in our church. He'll send me texts of comfort constantly. You could do it the old-fashioned way, put pen to paper, just let somebody know how much you appreciate them. Can I tell you one of the ways that God has sustained your pastors this year is by this means of comfort. I brought with me today just some of the words of comfort we have received as pastors, just some of them. We've probably gotten hundreds of them over the course of this year. I brought with me one particular one I received at the end of the summer. I just want to share just a couple words with you from this. She writes, Pastor John, I am an 81-year-old widow, and I live in the senior development uh, complex in Souderton. I made it to one service in the tent, but mostly watch online. It's wonderful to be able to watch at home. Then she said, you are all doing a great job. Now, when she sent this letter to me, I needed this word of comfort. She says a few more personal things, and then she says, I've survived many hardships in my life that I thank the Lord for. Just wanted to let you know that you are very much appreciated. I'm thankful for all the notes I get. In fact, I put them up on my bookcase for, you know, a little bit of time until I have to purge and start again. Uh, This one came at a really important time. I put this, I have a little book holder on my desk. Put it right in there. It hasn't moved since the end of the summer. Words of comfort, a great way to share the comfort that you have received. I don't know if you look at that list, maybe God brings somebody to mind. Somebody you might be able to just be present for. Maybe they're in your own home. Somebody you might be able to meet a small need for. Somebody you could share words of comfort. However God lays it on your heart, I wonder what our church would look like this Christmas season if we made it a point to share with others the comfort that we have received from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 Verses three and four, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Let's pray. 
Father, we stand in your presence this morning, having received riches of comfort. Not only have you provided for us, not only have you given us great gifts, you've given us the ultimate source of comfort of Jesus Christ. In fact, the comforter is within us because of what you have done for us. Lord, my prayer for our church family this morning is that you would help us to be good stewards of the comfort that we have received. We don't want to hoard it. We want it to flow through us. There are people in this room who need comfort. There are people in this room whose families, maybe in their own home or around their table, they need comfort, God. People we work with, people in our neighborhood, friends and family, would you not only comfort them, Father, would you use your people, would you use us to comfort them just as we have received your comfort? Father, once again, this season is a perfect time to reflect on the comfort you've given us. So we just say one more time, thank you for the comfort that we have in Jesus Christ. We'll give you the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen.